The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. guys for being here. I'm going to adjust this and then we're going to jump in. <laughs> Praise God for that. Look at my power and my strength. Amen. Pretty sure. See, that's why they don't let me anywhere near the worship team. I can't even adjust the stand properly. Wow. All right. Let's pray and we're going to get into God's word. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus left, he said, I will not leave you orphans. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit. That's God's spirit. And that he will be our counselor and that he will lead us into truth. And so it's always important that we acknowledge that God's Spirit is actually here to teach us to understand his word, because that's what springs faith into our life. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, understanding the word that we hear comes by the work of the Holy Spirit, to really get it in our hearts and in our minds. And so, Father, we just thank you for the goodness uh, that you have, God, to send your Spirit, Lord, to speak to us, to help us understand things that Lord, are more than natural. God, they're supernatural. They're spiritual, and we pray that you'll help them to uh, take root in our life, Lord, and produce fruit. God, more than just an inspirational message, God, I pray that it would help us, Lord, to understand you more, to understand how you want to relate to us more, and how to live and reflect you more, Lord, in our day-to-day life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to turn in your Bibles or on your phones to Psalm 139, that's what we're going to be working out of today. Uh, And we're actually going to read the first 18 verses of that. I will be reading out of the New Living Translation. I bet you're welcome to follow along whatever translation that you have. And I'm just going to go through that. We'll read the whole passage, and then we'll get into the Word. And you're going to notice a theme as we read this and understand what is it. It's talking about something specific that it's trying to get us to acknowledge and to see about how God wants to relate to us. So starting in verse 1, it says, "'O Lord, you have examined my heart.'" And know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. If you're getting a picture of a stalker, okay, God is on your every move. He's always watching you. Our youth pastor used to say back in the day when we were kids, he would say, Uh, And he was saying this in a way to try to keep us from getting in trouble, but he would always do this, and he would say, just remember, like at the end of youth group, he'd say, just remember, the eye in the sky is watching you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, well, he's not just watching you to bring down a hammer and do something wrong to you, but God is always watching you. He's always looking. He's always seeing you. You know, they have that thing on Facebook and these different social medias where you can, like, click and see who's my best friend, who's the person that visits my page the most and looks at it. Well, yeah, God is always visiting your page. He's always looking for you. He's always wanting to know what's going on in your life. He's not this distant, far-off, just force of, of the universe that has no idea who you are or where you are. He is always interested in everything about you. And so continue to read. It says, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. So he's not following you to hurt you, but he's following you to bless you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. 
If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride with the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So that's those first 18 verses. If you get the picture that God is very intimately concerned with you, with your life, with who you are, right down to the details of your future, of your present, and even back when you were in the womb being made, God was watching over you and thinking about you and caring about you. There's nothing about you that's a mistake. There's nothing about you that's too big or too terrible for God to come in and his love to direct your life and to make something good out of it. God knew what was going to happen in your childhood. He knew what's going to happen in your relationships. He knew the mistakes you were going to make. He knew everything about you, and he knows everything going forward about you. God knows you. And still, in spite of all of that, God chooses you. He chooses to be with you. He cares about you. It's funny, when you watch a wedding, everybody comes up to the altar. We were just at a wedding last week, and they say all these great vows, and they say, you know, in sickness and in health, and I'm going to, your mind to have and to hold and to support and all these things till death do us part. And at the moment when they're saying that, all they're thinking about is all of the good things. And then after they're married for a while, they realize that there's a lot of great things, but there's a lot of things that aren't as great. It's just going on like, they turn around like, oh my gosh, they're always there. I have no space anymore. I have no privacy. Like, they're there. And there's just this entire like connectedness and then there's issues and dramas that come up and things well when god made a commitment to you he wasn't standing at the altar not knowing what he was committing to not knowing there'd be problems or issues he knew all of it and his commitment was there in spite of it he's like i'm with you regardless of what happens i'm with you regardless of the mistakes and the issues we've been talking about dreaming a bigger dream and thinking of things that are huge and bigger than us. And the Bible talks about that, that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or imagine. There's just these huge things that God wants to do. Okay, but how do we accomplish them? How do we live them out? And this passage, I believe, gives us an insight to that, because God is as big as it gets, and God's vision is as big as it gets, because all of our dreams, all of our vision, all the things we want to do, the Bible says that they don't even touch what God wants to do. We can't even imagine or think of all that he wants to do. So God is so huge. And how does he accomplish the amazing, ginormous, crazy things that he wants to accomplish in the world? He does them by getting extremely small. 
And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks is small enough to change the world. We want to have big dreams, but we want to live our life in such a small way that we can have big impact. Well, how does that work? Sounds like two opposites. He can't do a music stand, and apparently he can't figure out big and small. I want you to pull him off the stage. They work together just like a seed is very small. But you plant it, right? And that's where the bigness of the tree comes from. Right? Things start small, and the power is packed in them, and then they grow out of there. God's designed everything in life the same way. It's for it to come out that way. And so God's way of doing things and the intimacy that he wants with you, if you go back to social media again, is God isn't interested in trading Facebook posts that are just general to everybody or Instagram posts that are just general to everybody. God wants to have a, a DM, a direct message relationship with you. Like, this is directly to you. I'm sending you something private. This is personal. He wants to get that close. This is how he operates. This is how he works. And so, you know, some examples of that. I got a couple of volunteers just about this. And so first one I'm going to bring up is Elizabeth. I hope this doesn't beep on me. Sometimes when you go off the stage, it starts beeping. But um, I've been on a Daniel fast for quite a while, which doesn't allow me to eat good food. Uh, and so now I'm thinking about food all the time, so we're going to mix food into the message. Um, so I've asked Elizabeth to come up and eat in front of everyone. Is there any other ladies that would love to just get up in front of a crowd and eat? I know that's like a, probably a dream for all the ladies here, but, um, and men too, but men are more slobby normally. So I got this amazing, incredible sandwich, and so I'm going to give this to Elizabeth to eat. And um, how delicious that thing looks. Isn't that just awesome? Well, you eat every day at home. I know it's thick. It's big. So you got to smash it down to get your bite. Mmm, is that just wonderful? Look at that. So do you want to eat the rest of it up in front of everybody, or would you rather eat the rest of it down? Okay, she can go down there. Okay, didn't she do a great job of eating? Let's give her a hand. Wow, that's her fantastic. You know what? Nobody has ever eaten a uh, sandwich on this stage as well as you just did that. That's amazing, incredible. Uh, Gordon is going to come up and eat... Um, something here, and this is a piece of pizza, so there's nothing wrong with that. I haven't done anything weird to this pizza. <laughs> I haven't done anything weird to this pizza. This is get a little bite of that. Oh, it's totally fine. It's good for you. Yeah, just a little Costco pizza. Yeah, Costco makes big slices there. Is it pretty good? Do you want to eat it up here, or do you want to take it back down? All right, go ahead. You can go the rest of the way down there. So, give Gordon a hand. Okay, that had absolutely nothing to do with the message, so now we can get back on the message. I just wanted to watch people eat. What? Praise God. Um, no. Okay, here's what I want you to think about with that food, okay? This is what I want you to think about for just a second. Okay, that sandwich is pretty big, right, Elizabeth? Okay, what did you have to do to take a bite out of it? Just smash it down a bit, right? I gave Gordon that pizza. I didn't have to give him any instructions on eating a pizza, and guess where he took the first bite? Right on the front, right on the smallest point of it, right? See, when something is big, okay, we have to get it condensed enough that it can be consumed, right? You don't go eating a sandwich by just grabbing a huge sandwich and just smashing it into your face, although that would have been more fun to watch. 
right? Gordon doesn't grab the pizza and just start trying to stuff the crust in. And even when you buy a whole pizza, what's the first thing you do? You cut it down into smaller slices, and then you always eat most, pe- most normal people. There's probably a few weirdos in here, but most normal people eat the smallest point first, right? Because you have to get it, even though it's this big, awesome pizza and this big, awesome sandwich, in order for it to do anything good for me, I have to condense it small enough to consume it. That's how it works. Okay, well, think about God. God in all of his goodness, we sang this song, God, you're so good, God, you're so good. In order for God to come into our life, he literally had to condense himself so small that we could actually, with our human nature, with our thought process, with our, with our inner workings of our spirit and our soul and everything, to be able to understand, comprehend, and to be able to consume it in a way that would actually produce something in our life. And so God comes in radically just, honey, I shrunk Jesus. Comes out of the galaxies, invisible, huge God. And he comes down into the earth in order that we can be able to relate and connect and be able to touch his life. And so when we talk about these big things of God, right, and these big things that he gives us as dreams, the next question is, how do we make this small enough that it actually impacts people? See, if I go share with somebody and say, man, God loves you. God's huge. God made everything. God's fantastic. God loves you, Alicia. Okay? If she doesn't know Jesus, she might be like, well, I'm trying to understand that, but who's God? And it's this huge thing. And what do you mean he loves me? And it's like hard to comprehend. Okay, but if I know that Alicia or Jason needs help, Jason's car broke down, and I go over to his house and say, hey, I'm going to help you with your car, and I'm going to come in and do something to serve you, they say, well, why would you do that? Well, it's because I love you, because God loves me, and God told me to love my neighbors, myself, so I'm coming here to love you and to care for you. Now, all of a sudden, I've taken this huge concept of this universal, ginormous God that supposedly loves Jason, and what I've done in reality, is I've smashed it down small enough to serve it to Jason in a way that he can consume it and say, oh, this is God's love. You're coming over and taking your Saturday to help me fix my car. Now, I'm not mechanical. So the best way I can love Jason if his car breaks down is to stay away. (laughs) Because I just don't have a lot of skills that way. I'll go there and be worse off than it started. But there's a way of coming and making things small enough. And so one of the other ways, Donnie, will you bring me that ball right there? I brought this beach ball because uh, we're going to do a Jimmy Buffett concert in here and throw this ball around. Um, so I brought this giant ball. Now, this ball is pretty big. And as huge as it is, guess how you get the air in it? Right? I mean, this concept works all through life. It's like it's everywhere. No matter where you look, you see this. I mean, this is the ball. Like, this is made out of plastic, and it's filled up with air. But in order to make this and for it to work, you have to have a, this little tiny hole for the air to go in. And then it closes off and keeps it in there. And you wouldn't believe how long it took me to blow this up. Like an hour and a half. 
actually, I was getting ready to blow it up. I grabbed it, and I, like, was starting to pull the thing. I'm looking at it to blow it, and Jenna comes along and goes, what are you doing? I have an air pump. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Women are so much smarter than men. <laughs> um, I was just going to sit there all day and blow it up. But it's, this, it's got this little tiny spot. You know, and if you think about that, now think about that in terms of God, okay? We have this huge galaxy of blackness, and God comes out of it to the earth, right? But that's still not small enough for us to get it and understand who he is. He has to get even smaller, and he comes to this little tiny town and is born in Bethlehem, just little. And then he lives his life there, and he dies for us. But this little spot on the earth where he came and lived as a little baby and then grew up and then died for our sins on a cross that probably took just a, just a few branches of a big tree to make. So I mean, even have a forest that's smaller and smaller and smaller, and we just got a couple pieces of wood. Everything tiny, and he's just in this little spot on the earth, and he dies for us. And the entire history and future of humanity with all the galaxies around us, it all hinges and turns on this little teeny tiny spot on a planet that if you actually look at it in comparison to the rest of the universe, is just like a speck of dust. And God comes down all that, gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? So that he can get into our lives and so that we can understand him because he already understood us. Okay, and that's our, that's our work and our obligation as believers is to be able to take this huge concept of God that we serve. Now, we understand it because we've given our life to Jesus and his Holy Spirit begins to show us his love and we begin to be able to wrap our brain and our heart around it and things begin to connect and we can see it. But for those that can't, our job as believers is to take those concepts and to bring them into such small acts and then in faith to plant those things into people's lives so that God, like a seed, can cause it to grow. The Bible says that one plants, one waters, but God causes the increase. And if we can take that little thing and say, well, but their problems look so big, what would this do? What would my, their marriage is falling apart, they can't pay their bills, things are going crazy, what would me taking them over at dinner do? What would me inviting them over for hot dogs do at my house or hamburgers? I mean, in the scheme of everything going on in their life, it won't even make a difference. I want to change the world. Hot dogs at the neighbor ain't going to do that. But see, that one little thing, if we can take it and plant it in faith and just say, hey, come on over, and all of a sudden a relationship starts, and God begins to breathe life and to grow things out of that, and then big things start to happen. But see, when we think big, we want to do everything big first. See, then the reverse of that would be, well, that's my neighbor, and they got a lot of problems and issues going on, and their marriage is falling apart, and they can't pay their bills, and they're struggling. So if I'm going to do anything, it's got to be big. Uh, i got to go knock on their door, and i got to just, i got to give them the salvation right now and get them saved and fix their marriage tonight. i got to do this big thing. i got to get them to that huge concert, that big, huge, you know, gigantic evangelistic thing going on at down there at the, you know, at the stadium and get them down there. I got to give them something big because that's going to change their life. See, and what they need 
is somebody that's willing to come in and to do something small. Something that's little for them. Something that just makes a minor change in their life. And so when we engage people, the challenge for us is to begin to think about them like God does in Romans 139. It talks about how, you know, you watched me, that you know me, that you see me. And so when we look at the people in our lives, whether it's at work or it's our neighbor or it's a family member that doesn't know the Lord, is that we want to put ourselves in the shoes of not thinking too big that we don't see them. But that we think small, and not only do we see them, but then we think smaller and we see where their needs are. We see where they're struggling. We see where they need encouraged. We see where they need built up. And we do the little things that can go into their life, into their heart. I had my tooth worked on this week. And I ended up having to get a root canal. And so they showed me on the x-ray this tooth. And so it's like my tooth is there. And then they show these two like roots going down, or tooth going down into the gum down here. And then they show these two like little gray lines inside the little roots, and they're going, and they're like, those are your nerves. And then this is where like there's a problem, and it's hitting the nerves, and that's why you're like losing your balance when you're walking around and stuff, because the pain is just crazy. And so they're saying that, that, and that particular tooth has a nerve that actually goes up to your brain, and it actually affects your thinking and everything in that particular side of that tooth. So you're like, you're having problems there. And so that's going on. And so I used that to get myself out of a lot of trouble I'd gotten into that week. Uh, I had some different uh, poor uh, decisions. And so I just told my wife, I said, look, the dentist said my tooth's affecting my brain. Like, this nothing to do with me at all. And so I almost didn't get it worked on because I could have used that excuse for the rest of my life. But it was hurting too bad, so I had to. So I'm in there, and he shows me how these little nerves go in. And then he says, what we're going to do is we're going to drill down there. We're going to pull those nerves out. And he said, then we're going to take this stuff and we're going to fill those nerves, those canals back up with this like filler so that no cavities can get in there, but it's just going to be like solid. That's the process. Go in, take it out, put something new in and plug it up. All right, sounds good. Now, I am thankful that when they did that, that they used a little tiny, tiny little drill. They didn't come into my mouth with like a big like Ryobi, DeWalt thing that they picked up at Home Depot, right? And change out the battery and be like, all right, sit your head back. We're getting in there. There's a little teeny tiny one. Had to be small enough to get into the little tiny area where there's a problem. See, and that is the same exact thing that happens when we're dealing with people and even when God is dealing with us. God in his kindness, the Bible said his kindness is to lead us to repentance. In his kindness... Instead of bringing out a giant drill or a hammer and coming down and smashing our life up because there's a problem in there, he goes in there and he saves the rest of the tooth by going in small and just getting right down into where that issue's at. See, well, you got a bad attitude. If I was God, I'd smash you right off the earth. That's what I'd do. Because you made me mad. But when God looks, God sees the problem that's down and in there that's causing all the irritation and the issues. First of all, there's self and selfishness, and he's kind enough to come in and work on that and through conviction of the Holy Spirit and repentance to draw it out of us. 
without destroying us. But then second, there's other things that happen. There's abuse that happens sometimes in our life at the hands of other people. There's things where people wrong us at work. There's grief that we go through because we lose a loved one or because somebody makes a decision that impacts us in some negative way because we're surrounded by all these things that can cause hurt and pains to come up in our life. And so God comes in and by his spirit he works through those things and gets down into the small areas of our heart to try to get at those things and to pull them out. And then to fill us back up with his goodness and with his spirit. And that's what God does for us. And so what does that mean that we're supposed to do? Well, Jesus said, as the Father sent me in the world, so I send you. And so God's heart for us is not for us to be trying to minister to everyone through big, giant methods. Not through, you know, online social media blasts, or not through, you know, even just having big meetings like this. This is one way. But the life change happens the smaller and smaller we get. See, a community group allows for more life change. A friendship within the community group allows for even deeper life change. See, when I talk about my neighbors and things like that, it's the same thing, the person at work. It's not just, well, at work, you know, I posted a poster to everybody about God, or I said something about God to the whole group, but then we get smaller and we invite somebody out to lunch. Hey, let's go spend some time together eating. I didn't break my whole Bible out at lunch. I just went and had lunch with them. And they saw my heart and my spirit and the kindness that I had. And I start praying for them. Not for just the whole office, but I pick somebody and say, God, I have a heart for this person, Lord. I want to pray for them. And just begin to pray for them, begin to focus on somebody that you'd ask for God to touch their life. We've done that at Breakthrough Prayer. Where we've taken time and we focused on a few different people and said, Lord, we're praying for this person to come to know you. And we've seen God move, and we've seen that happen, and people begin to come to know Jesus because we're getting it down small enough to say, God, we want to get down into some details here. You care about every single person, right down to the hairs on their head and how they were formed in the womb. So, God, when we pray for them, we know that you care. We're getting it smaller and smaller. And so all these things that God wants to do comes through us being willing to get into kind of a small way of thinking, into the details of stuff. You know, a lot of times in a marriage, you might say, well, our marriage isn't doing very good. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing all the big stuff. I mean, I go to work. I pay the bills. You know, I come home at night. Most of the time when a relationship goes bad, it goes bad because the small stuff disappears. That's what happens. It's the little things. There's no more kiss goodbye at the start of the day. There's no more, you know, hey, happy that you're home at the end of the night. There's no more a flower you know, a vase of flowers on the counter. There's no more little card. There's no more little opening the door. The little things go away, and then the big thing starts to fall apart. But if the little things are focused on, the big thing starts to come back together. And so God has built this principle into relationships, into life, and into the world. And our society really is moving towards putting all the emphasis and focus on big. See, in our society, it's better to have 10,000 followers, which is big, that follow the things that I post, than it is to have five friends that will show up when I need a hand or that will sit around a table and play cards with me. 
we look for something big. Well, this is so small, it's insignificant. This is so small, it doesn't matter. If I want to be important, I got to be bigger. I got to be known by more people. I got to have a bigger influence, a bigger impact. It's got to be, everything's got to be bigger for it to matter. But biblically speaking, significance comes through small. It comes through small. God resists the proud. What is pride? Pride is people that want to be big. And he gives grace to the humble. His grace comes into the life of the humble, the people that are willing to be small and then to love others. You look at the story in the Bible of the Good Samaritan, and there's a guy on the side of the road that's beat up, and he's dying, and three people come by. The first two were worried about big things. They're on their way to important things and big things. They got stuff to do. One guy stopped and did the small thing and took care of one person, cared for one person, helped one person out. Too small to make a difference because there's crowds that need attention. But it's the smallness that had the impact. And our society more and more is crying out for intimacy and connection. Like the culture in society is saying, bigger, bigger, bigger. More connections is better. But the individual people in society are saying, why doesn't this work for me? How come I still feel empty? Why am I still depressed? Why do I have such high anxiety? Maybe it's because I only have 1,000 followers, and if I had 1,500, I'd feel better, because those people look like they're doing better. But then you see online, you see that the person that has, you know, a million followers and all these views kills himself. They've got an epidemic of YouTubers committing suicide, popular ones. Because in the expansion of things, the small gets lost, and then the meaning gets lost, and then you're living out here with no meaning, and eventually it just dies out. Because purpose is in little things. It works in business. Well, i got to get my business bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, but if you do that, and having been a business owner for 20 years, I can tell you what, if your business grows and you start forgetting about the small, the customer, the individual, what their needs are, quality, taking care of them, guess what will happen to the big business? It'll collapse. It'll eventually go away. Because it's the small things that matter. We built our house a couple years ago. Our house is big. It has two master bedrooms in there because we have multiple families living in there. So we have this big house. That big house would not even be safe to live in if it wasn't built with little nails. That's what holds that whole thing together. And so over and over again in life, there's this importance that God has built into society. It says in Colossians that all things are held together in him. That God literally holds everything together himself. And God was willing, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, to die for us. To come into the world and to become small enough for us to grasp and touch and to love him and to know who he is and to understand him. Because we didn't understand the galaxies that he made and how that meant love. So he came down on the earth and he helps a blind person. Comes down on the earth and he helps a leper. He comes down on the earth and he helps 
not just people, but he helps the smallest people in stature, in honor. He helps the prostitutes, the lepers, the cast-offs of life, the tax collectors, who actually was also actually small. He was very short. That's why he climbed a tree to see Jesus. God loves short people. If you're here today, God loves you. I'm not going to point you out. But God kept getting smaller and smaller, even to the rejects and the outcasts of society, to show his love. And then when he did it, he did it through small acts. He did it through taking this little tiny lunch with just a few loaves and fish in it to feed 5,000 people. He didn't call in a giant catering wagon. He went small. And then from that, he did big. And so I just want to challenge you guys. We're going to pray, but I want to challenge you this week. We're going to be spending the next few weeks talking about what it really means to live small enough to change the world around you. Practical things. Here's what we can do. Okay, but for this week, I just want to challenge you to begin to pray and to ask God to start to open your eyes to the small things around you. Just to open your eyes and your heart to the small stuff. To have an awakening and open eyes for the small stuff, to see it. Like the first time I got glasses, I grew up without any money. We were very poor. And the first time I got glasses, I was like 18 years old. We got married at 18, and the first thing my wife did is she's like, you're going to the dentist, and you're going to go get your eyes checked, because we never did that as kids. So I go to the dentist, I get glasses for the first time. See, I didn't even know this stuff because I was a kid. She's like, no, you got you, you went to the dentist for your teeth. You went to the, what's it called? Optometrist for your eyes. I go into the eye doctor. He puts these, con- I thought I could see fine. He puts these contacts in my eyes. I go out, I get in my car. I look at the dash. And I was mesmerized. <laughs> for like, I sat in my car for like 20 minutes talking to my wife about my dash. Did you know there's grooves in the dash? This is textured. And I looked over at her and I'm like, who are you? She's like, I'm your wife. I'm like, that's what you look like. Wow. Like I didn't, I was blind. My contacts are so thick. I had to put them on with two fingers just to try to get them in there. They're heavy. I have bad eyes. But I'm looking at my dash, and I'm totally mesmerized. There's this thing in the middle of the dash called a speedometer. <laughs> if I had known that was there, I wouldn't have gotten as many tickets as I did before I turned 18. I couldn't even see it. But I could see little things, and it was amazing. See, that's what I want you to pray for this week, is that God, by His Holy Spirit, will help you begin to see the small things around you, the details. When you see your neighbor, don't just see that person that doesn't like to talk to you and walks in and out. Maybe God will show you a detail of something that seems important to him so you can start a small conversation that'll end up creating a relationship bridge. You can see the little things going on in life that God is trying to speak to you through. Stuff that's happening that before you'd have ignored or thought was normal, but now you see and you go, you know, I think that's God trying to show me something that God will start to let you see these things. Because in order to live small and to find significance there, we have to be able to see it. We have to be able to understand it. That God's working in all of these things 
to show his love to the world. And he wants to work through you to do that, but you got to have his eyes first. And if we can do that, we can accomplish huge, huge things together. Amen. Father, we just pray right now that, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to, God, just bring clarity to our vision. God, help us to see, Lord, as you see. Father, I think of the one blind man, Lord, that you prayed for, and you asked him afterwards, you said, do you see? And his answer was, I see men, but they look like trees. In other words, he went from blind to blurry. Lord, but he still couldn't see detail. Lord, some of us in here today, God, we're not blind, Lord, but we're blurry. We don't see the details of life. We don't see the details of the people around us. We don't see the details of the way that you're loving us. We don't see the details of the opportunities that you put in front of us. God, help us to not just be blurry, but help us to see detail, that you are in the details, that you're working, that you care for us, that you care for them, God, that you want to work through us. So God, I pray that you'd help us to do that, Lord. And just like with that man, God, you, you prayed for him a second time, and then he could see clearly. Help us to see clearly, God. Let this week be a week where our eyes get transformed. God, help us to see it, Father, so that we can begin to live out the call that you have on our lives, Jesus. We thank you for it. In your precious name, amen. All right, guys, thank you for being here. I love you guys. Stick around, have some snacks. If you're new, get to know a few people. Nobody bites here. And tonight, uh, Breakthrough Prayer is at our house. If you want to come, even if you're new, you're welcome to. Just come grab me. I'll give you the address. Uh, but you can bring your needs and say, hey, these are the things I need prayer for, and we'll pray for you. Okay, and you can also pray for others. Just come, and we'll do it together. Amen. Visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.